what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on The Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host and director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. My co-host, Gary Muller, is kind of having some technical issues today, so I am flying solo. On today's show, we've got a great guest. The government is here to help you, and they buy an awful lot of stuff. Our guest today is Brooklyn Dellinger, a business advisor with the North Carolina SBTDC Procurement Technical Assistance Center, and she'll be t- sharing tips for doing business with the government. Brooklyn, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you all so much for having me on. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll do a, a quick introduction based on uh, the wonderful asset LinkedIn out there. <laughs> I saw you creeping. <laughs> Brooklyn is a North Carolina PTAC advisor, and PTAC stands for uh, Procurement Technical Assistance Center. And that's part of the North Carolina Small Business and Technology Development Center, which is affiliated with our university system here in North Carolina. Uh, Brooklyn provides assistance and training on government contracting database registrations, researching contract opportunities, proposal preparation uh, for the local, state, and federal levels of government. She's also worked as an SBTDC counselor, business counselor, and she's been a private sector marketing director. So, Brooklyn, uh, welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange. Glad that you're with us today. Yes, thank you. So, so your focus is, uh, is really selling to the government, but uh, tell us a little bit about your background and tell us a little bit about the PTAC program. Okay. So I have been with the North Carolina SBTDC and PTAC for about five years now. The North Carolina PTAC is co-located with the SBTDC and serves as one of the organization's specialty programs. So like you mentioned, I originally started with the SBTDC in 2016 as a business counselor, where I worked primarily with startups and small businesses within our 14-county region on all kinds of general business issues from the startup process, business and strategic planning, marketing, accessing capital, and so on. Um, All of the services that we provide, all of our counseling services are free, one-on-one, and entirely confidential. Both my bachelor's and master's degrees are in business, so that education definitely supported me in taking on that role of business counselor. However, I can honestly say, and I know you know this as well, Jeff, um, that I've learned just far more working with my portfolio of clients day in and day out. There's just such a great variety in learning about the industries and all of the small businesses, individual dynamics. It's all just fascinating. So I had a, a couple of years of that. And then in late 2018, I had the opportunity to join the PTAC team. I had co-counseled um, on a few clients with the region's previous PTAC advisor, and I found the work very interesting. It's very process-oriented. Um, a lot of rules, which I like. <laughs> um, and, and also, like you have already said, the, uh, the PTAC program, we advise small and mid-sized businesses 
much like the SBTDC, except solely on government contracting at the local, state, and federal levels. So that is my entire focus with the client. Um, you mentioned some of the services that we offer. We work a lot determining like feasibility of your business and how you could get into government contracting. There's a lot of research in that mode of discovery, securing the necessary registrations, researching procurement histories, um, identifying contracting opportunities for your business, proposal prep, uh, networking, connections, training. So really just a little bit of everything government contracting related. Um, we have 10 regional service centers across the state, each serving its own territory. And so I am part of the Appalachian State University team and cover 14 counties from Ash to Gaston, almost bordering 321. And I reside here in Hickory where our main office is. Oh, very good. And uh, yeah, the, your, your, your organization is a North Carolina organization. Uh, is it safe to assume, I hate to assume, that there are, are similar organizations in, in other states, or is this sort of a, a North Carolina-centric thing? Absolutely. So the uh, North Carolina PTAC program, we are part of the Association of PTACs, APTAC, um, and in every state there there is at least one organization that supports government contracting. Um, similarly, the SBTDC is part of the Association of SBDCs across the U.S., and they also serve businesses throughout all of the United States. So, you know, I, I always hear that uh, the federal government buys more stuff than any other entity in the world, maybe. I don't know. I mean, so, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about the world of uh, government contracting. How, how big is the opportunity? Are we... Uh, uh, should we be directing more people to, to be looking at that? Well, it, it is a massive market, to put it lightly. In the federal fiscal year 2020, over 5 million contracts for services and supplies were awarded, totaling hundreds of billions of dollars. Um, the Department of Defense accounts for about half of those awarded contracts. In this particular fiscal cycle, the Department of Health and Human Services had quite the hike in spending as the government navigated the pandemic. So it's very interesting to snoop around on usaspending.gov and kind of see how those numbers play out and the agencies that are buying. So the there is a massive market, yes. The amount of opportunity definitely depends on your business and your offerings, though. So federal government contracting just isn't for every business. It could be contingent upon your scalability, compliance, your past performance. And we can work with you to identify if there is a place for you in the federal arena. If it isn't feasible for a small business to become a prime contractor, it's possible there are opportunities to become a subcontractor through a federal contracting prime. Um, there are also opportunities here in your backyard, so to speak, to possibly do business with the state of North Carolina or your local governments. So the state of North Carolina has 17 executive agencies, which includes NCDOT. As you know, we have over 50 community colleges and state universities. There are over 2,500 public and charter schools, 100 counties, and over 500 municipalities. And all of these agencies are procuring goods and services from the community. So altogether, 
There are many options to participate in government contracting. The key is to identify who, as in which level of government and which of those agencies are buying what you're selling and then determining feasibility for businesses to compete for those contracts. And, and you know, when you, when you talk about the Department of Defense being half of uh, uh, federal government procurement, you know, you know, you know, the image that pops into my mind is, oh, they must be buying tanks and stuff like that. Right. But I, I also suspect that they are buying everything from, from shoes and socks and underwear to forks and knives and, and who knows what else. So, I mean, it, it, I guess, I guess you're, there, there are probably many business opportunities that people might not be thinking about. Uh, you know, For are, sure. are, are there, are there certain industries or, or types of businesses that are better candidates for, for selling to the government or, or as you were saying, is it more your ability to, to, uh, to scale and, and, and manage your way through maybe restrictions and whatnot? All right. Um, I, I definitely think there's some, there are some industries that tend to have more of an opportunity. Um, however, established businesses who are reliable and responsible, those who have completed similar subcontracts or even commercial work that's in terms of size and, and duration or delivery, um, those are certainly good candidates. Businesses that are financially stable and they have the professional staff to meet the contract requirements. Um, businesses that are e-commerce savvy, nearly everything from registrations, certification applications, solicitation postings, proposal submission, and so on is all online now. So having some technological aptitude is essential. And you really just have to be dedicated to becoming successful and winning contracts. Um, it's quite a bit of work to complete the research to determine feasibility for your business and then register in all the right places. And that alone is really just step one. The work really begins when you start monitoring contracting opportunities and submitting bids, quotes, proposals, all that. And then um, also a, a good candidate, if, if a business qualifies as woman-owned, veteran-owned, disadvantaged, or you're located in a hub zone, all of these could provide you know, a competitive edge for that business. So... I definitely think there are some industries that do find greater success. Um, however, like you mentioned, the variety of products and services that the federal government procures is so wide that um, if, if you're a good, strong business and you can find your way in, I think there could be an opportunity for most anyone. You, you, you mentioned a few areas where, you know, I, I, there might be contracts that are set aside. You mentioned women-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses. You said hub zone. Mm -hmm. what, what qualifies as a hub zone? What's a hub zone? So the the hub zone program is um, managed by the Small Business Administration, and they have designated hub zones, um, for example, throughout North Carolina. So if a certain percentage of your employees reside within the hub zone and the business location um, that could qualify the business to be hub zone. Um, it really just depends on uh, the location of the business and the employees. So that's more of a geographic uh, designation. It is. Okay. It is. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you know, you're, you're talking about 
finding contracts and, and managing them. You know, if, if I'm a business contemplating getting into doing business with the government, are there certain pros and cons that should be going through my mind as I'm as I'm contemplating the opportunity? Right. So some pros of selling to the government would obviously be additional sales revenue for your business and that opportunity to diversify your portfolio of customers. So having some commercial and some government would be of great balance to you. Um, I, would another- I would think there'd be more stability to it. And I would think that from a, from a payment perspective, you know, there. I'm, I'm thinking they're not going to go out of business. I would think that makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> right. Um, yes. Stability on a contract, for example, if a contract is long term, um, if you were to secure that contract, it could mean multiple years of recurring business if it's a multi-year contract. Um, additionally, payment could could be more certain. Um, payment terms could be a little longer. It just depends on the contract. Um so, so yeah, some cons, there are a lot of rules, like I mentioned earlier. So as a government contracting business, you got to understand and abide by the code of federal regulations and federal acquisition regulations. If you've only ever provided commercial work so far as a business, that can be a lot. It's just a lot of new information, a lot of new things to Um, learn and abide by. And similarly, it's fairly administratively intensive. There are many filings and much paperwork (laughs) involved to participate in government contracts and then to continue to remain compliant for those possible audits. So there are pros and cons. Um, Again, it really has to do with knowing what your business can serve the market. And if, you know, that pros there outweigh the cons. It's definitely worth exploring. So, so Brooklyn, you're talking about some of the administrative things. If, if my business does want to sell to the government, are there some specific steps that I need to take? I, I know that there are various registrations and, um, you know, is there, there's some sort of infrastructure that I need in order to effectively sell to the government? What, what, what first steps would you be recommending to, to people you work with? Right. If you've not yet started your business, but you know that you want to pursue government contracting early on, you should contact your local SBTDC or small business center counselor to help you get started with selecting an entity type and forming your business plan and building government contracting into that business plan. Um, Selecting a business structure or your entity type has much more to do with your business situation than anything government contracting related. So many of my clients, they opt to pass on the sole proprietorship entity type because of personal liabilities. Um, Give some thought to your business. So, you know, how many owners will you have? Who those owners will be? Potential liability. How you want business profits to be taxed, etc. And then consult with your CPA firm and legal counsel. All of these types are acceptable for government contracting. Um, having a legal business entity with your EIN number is required before you can register in any government database. So step one is definitely engage some support, local business counselor, CPA, legal counsel to establish your business, um, register in all the places and get that EIN number. 
And then that'd be a good opportunity to go ahead and reach out to a PTAC advisor once that's set up. We can assess where you are, lay out your next steps. Typically, we would research your industry and offerings and then move on to get you registered in all the right government databases. So like I've mentioned, local, state, and federal governments all operate independently. So there are different registration processes for each level. So um, instead of you know tackling everything at once, we figure out where your best bet is to start and we pursue that registration first and try to not let you get entirely overwhelmed by all of the databases that are out there for you to get registered in. So, so you, you, you can be a little bit more strategic in uh, trying to identify where those opportunities may be. Absolutely. Um, for, for, for new businesses, are, are, are there re- requirements that I'm in business for a certain period of time before I can consider or before the government would consider doing business with me? Or, or is that sort of depend on the, the situation? You know, you hear the two-year rule thrown out a lot um, that the government wants you to be in business for two years and operating successfully. Um, That's a good rule of thumb because that makes you a good candidate for government contracting. You know, you're established, you've likely done commercial work or you've done subcontracting work on government contracts. It's given you time to, you know, build up your financial stability and build your team. So all of those are great. Um, but I have seen businesses who have had success within, you know, the first year. It really just depends on what you're offering and if the government is ready and, and willing to procure from you. They're, they're really assessing risk, you know. So what is the risk for you to be awarded this contract? And, you know, typically that's a, a longer term business who's, who's been around a while, they are less risky. <laughs> so they look at risk in terms of, am I going to be able to deliver what I say I'm going to deliver and, and having some proven experience uh, helps me there. So, so it's really not a two year rule. It's more of a, it's more of a guideline to, to go from into the pirates of Caribbean type phrasing. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um. Any mistakes that uh, that that you commonly see out there that uh, that uh, you that, that people can be avoiding when it comes to government contracting? Yeah, I think the the biggest mistake that I see is clients not approaching government contracting with any strategy. So, if you want to see your government sales grow, you have to treat it like any other uh, sales avenue within your business. It requires research, outreach, and follow-ups, specialized marketing, such as a capability statement and a special section on your website. Um, You should be forecasting contracts set to expire months in advance and monitoring that sales funnel, um, networking in your industry, and having those allocated resources in your business to give it attention. It's, It's totally feasible to win contracts. But you have to put some energy there, just like you would give, you know, your commercial markets. I think the the pitfall is completing your government registrations and waiting on work to come to you. It just, you know, it just needs more strategy and effort there. Are, are there any 
cash flow issues uh, associated with government contracting in that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm confident that the government's going to pay. I don't know how quickly they're going to pay. And, I, you know, I guess that's something that you'd have to build into your plan from a, a cash flow perspective. But any, any, anything you see there that people should be thinking about? Right. Um, so much is provided in solicitations to give you an idea of what will be expected of you and your business in terms of um, quantity and delivery. And so just assessing the feasibility of each, you know, potential opportunity for your business. And again, having a, a resource plugged into your finance and accounting de departments to ensure that you're staying on track throughout the duration of a potential contract is, is key. Okay. And now, and, and you mentioned how you sort of seen some things ebb and flow during, uh, during COVID, you know, you, uh, you know, I guess maybe there are certain categories that from a government uh, purchasing perspective have increased and some that have decreased or, you know, what, how has COVID been impacting uh, government contracting and, and the way that you're working with people? Well, as, as far as our organization goes, you know, we've been very fortunate to be able to move so much of our work to virtual formats. We still meet with our clients via Zoom. We conduct our trainings via webinar instead of in a conference room. There have been challenging times, obviously, throughout the pandemic, especially, you know, a year ago, last March, trying to move everything to those virtual formats. But we've adapted to continue serving clients just the same. I would say most of my clients who have been actively doing business with the government have continued on, you know, business as usual, completing their work. I have seen many businesses that until COVID were only operating in the commercial space and then decided to pivot into government contracting to make up those lost commercial sales. A prominent example is manufacturing businesses, specifically textiles, that very early on transitioned to manufacturing PPE or personal protective equipment, masks, gowns, et cetera. And then others who started manufacturing face shields, um, distilleries who started producing hand sanitizer. So we've seen a lot of, of pivots to meet the market demands. I feel like now um, we're a year into this. A lot of those vendors for PPE and related things are fairly established and the market is slightly saturated. Um, so I've seen some clients recently trying to get into PPE and have had more boundaries. Um, barriers to entry there. Have you experienced much of the same? Yeah, I think I think we've seen that. You know, it's sort of uh, as we we're talking early. You know, the the folks that were able to move quickly and and uh, pivot uh, seem to do very well, and uh, you know, uh, probably took up a lot of the oxygen in that space. And it's it's been more challenging for other folks to to get into it. So you know, we'll we'll see what the the next thing the next thing down the road is, and then the the folks that move quickly will will get the the most benefit from it. So anyway, well, well, Brooklyn, it, it is very much appreciated with you spending some time with us today and and uh, sharing uh, your experience and expertise, and, and that this is. Yeah, this is such a large market that people probably don't always think about. And there are probably some opportunities out there for listeners to 
to to grow their business in this market. So uh, something something to be considering. And if you are in North Carolina, you should be going to the uh, SBTDC uh, website and looking up the PTAC program and you can find Brooklyn and other folks there. But uh, Brooklyn, we always like to do a little bit of a lightning round. You ready up for our lightning round now? Absolutely. Let's do it. Uh, This month, our lightning round is sponsored by Ned Ryerson Insurance, Whole Life, Auto, Flood Home. You really can't have enough insurance. Uh, Stay safe with Ned Ryerson Insurance and just check it out on the Internet. So, so Brooklyn, we're going to throw some quick questions out to you and and, and we encourage you to give quick answers. So anyway, here we go. (laughs) Vacation spot that you most like to visit after the pandemic. Oh, um, something on the road, road tripping. We never repeat vacation spots. So new places, many stops along the way, no set plan. All right. Road tripper. Okay. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, Harry Potter, Star Wars, or Godfather movies? Um, my husband's going to kill me, but I'm going to say Harry Potter. <laughs> Quite All right. Uh, <laughs> They're all good answers. There's no wrong answer. <laughs> he loves Godfathers. Okay. Um, your pandemic go-to snack food? Uh, ice cream, for sure. Ice cream. Yeah. yeah. Bonus points. What, what's your favorite flavor? Oh. Um, ooh. Really any. Maybe mint chocolate chip. Okay. okay. Something I didn't like until I... I've crossed the 30-year-old mark, but now I'm here. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, Taylor Swift or Beyonce? Ooh, can I say neither? You can. All right. <laughs> Beatles or Rolling Stones? How do you like that one? Um, Rolling Stones, for sure. Okay. Uh, quarantine TV or movie streaming recommendation? You know, we haven't we haven't watched all that much. Um, past, I don't I don't even know. All right, last question: If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, God, these are hard. Maybe mind reading. Mind reading. Okay, well, that's that would be a good one. Okay. It's not very fancy. Not anything exciting. Well, mind reading would be pretty valuable. <laughs> we'll go along with that. Brooklyn, uh, if people want to find you or the, the PTAC program, is there a, what's, what's the website or where should they be looking? Sure. You can go directly to um, the PTAC site. It's NC, as in North Carolina, dash PTAC, P-T-A-C, dot org. So you can find everything on the program there. And if you want to look me up individually, I'm on LinkedIn, Brooklyn Dellinger. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you know, and, and just because people look you up on LinkedIn doesn't necessarily mean they're stalkers. So, you know, watch it. There, okay, will you? <laughs> I have the premium, so I know who this is my page. <laughs> okay. All right. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. My small business of the month 
is a, a business that I, I saw in uh, a Business North Carolina magazine, and it's called Bliss Running, B-L-Y-S-S Running. And uh, it was founded by a woman, Allison Neal, in Asheville, North Carolina, who started uh, running slash jogging, and, and, and she said later in life, in her early 40s, uh, but you know, not, not too late for, for those of us who are, are, are past that uh, time frame. But she saw a problem, uh, as we were talking about. She, uh, there was a lack of comfortable, practical running clothes for, for women. Much of the apparel that she saw, she thought was too short, uh, had small pockets, and just uh, didn't seem appropriate for what she wanted. So she designed a custom pair of shorts that fit her needs, and soon other runners that she was running into at races, no pun intended, uh, were asking about where they could get them. So in 2015, she formed a business called Bliss, B-U-L-Y-S-S Running. And came up with uh, a whole set of designs uh, with longer inseams uh, compared to uh, what she was seeing was around three inch inseams. She was coming up with five to eight inch inseams. Uh, She came up with some of the, I guess, what um, people that I know call skorts, which are sort of a combination short skirts. Um, so she sort of came out uh, with using antimicrobial material, that uh, material that wicks away moisture, provides uh, sun protection. She's got multiple pockets. She can hold a phone in, in her shorts. Some pretty cool stuff. They took some hits during the beginning of COVID, but uh, they've got a pretty good website and shifted uh, a lot of money in their budget to doing online marketing, and they're doing pretty well. So as it starts to get warm and you get ready to hit the roads and trails, you should be checking out my small business of the month, Bliss Running. And you can find them at www.blissblissrunning.com. As Joe Bob would say, you should check it out. If you've got a suggestion out there for our small business of the month, uh, email them to us at eexchange at themesh.tv. And uh, we appreciate uh, your thoughts and your input on that. Brooklyn, thank you again for joining us today. And thanks to the Mesh Podcast Network for hosting us. Uh, We uh, wish everyone uh, good health. Stay warm. Hopefully we'll be talking, uh, enjoying some spring next month. And we look forward to talking to you again next month. Take care. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.